0: Hello, my name is AJ Bingham, founder and CEO of the Bingham Group, an Austin-based full-service lobbying firm representing and advising clients on municipal, legislative, and regulatory matters throughout Texas. Today's episode guest is Rob Henicky, General Counsel and Director of the Center for the American Future at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. This discussion was recorded on April 25th, 2018, with topics including the sharing economy, local control, and state preemption. You know, Rob, let's jump right into it. The, a lot of things the foundation is working on, and that's Texas Public Policy Foundation, um, and that you've been the headlines for uh, these last few weeks, has been around broadly bound the sharing economy. And you know, this you can go back two years. Let's start with just your work and your thoughts on the short-term um, rental ordinance the city of Austin passed, and just you know, may update for folks who are new to the city, what that's all about and where we are right now in that process.
1: Well, sure. And as a little bit of background, the Texas Public Policy Foundation, we've been around for 29 years. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, nonpartisan research institute here in Austin, Texas, that focuses on issues of limited government, free market competition, and uh, protecting liberty. And you've really seen... An attack on that in the past couple of years as government has felt this need, this urge to regulate uh, activities that have been around for a long time just when they happen to become related to the internet mm-hmm. or suddenly exchange involves some kind of exchange of money. Mm-hmm. And you reference one of the early fights that we became involved with here at the foundation, which two years ago was in suing the city of Austin, when the city adopted this ordinance regulating short-term rentals, that really went way out of bounds in infringing on the constitutional rights of guests, people that stay at short-term rentals, and uh, infringing on the economic economic liberty of owners of short-term rentals, good responsible property owners who always followed the rules, paid their taxes, didn't bother anyone, invested thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours of their you know, sweat and and, uh, hard work to make these businesses work, all to be told that from the city that that, that it's not something that they would be allowed to do moving forward. And it's remarkable because, look, vacation rentals aren't new. Uh, Personally, I grew up going to the beach, going to Port Aransas and renting a beach house or going skiing in Colorado. You rent a house there. You know, the idea of a vacation rental is not new In fact, in Austin, it's an interesting history in that it's been documented that vacation rentals, short-term rentals, have been active as part of our economy for over 100 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a matter of fact, it kind of relates into the the aspect of the the history of civil rights here in Austin to where originally short-term rentals in Austin were done because of the segregation in hotels. And that was a way that, that minorities that were excluded from hotels were able to find uh, a place to stay when they would come to Austin for business or whatnot. And for a long number of years, Austin publicly promoted and encouraged the use of short term rentals and published that in in tourism books, uh, incentivizing people to come enjoy Austin, you know, feel the authentic part of Austin. And then you have this complete 180 turn with this short term rental ordinance uh, seeking to outlaw categories of short-term rentals, seeking to restrict the number of people that can be outside of the short-term rental at any time for any reason, it's one example of many, but it really just seems to be an answer without a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, AG, what's really interesting in the short-term rental case is that before we filed suit, We went because the the anecdote about those is always the the story of the party house, the next door, two in the morning keg parties, you know, loud people throwing up in the front yard. You know, it sounds horrible, and we wanted to research, research that to see what was really the facts in Austin. And we found two things. One, we went and we did an open records request with the city for every single complaint of any kind made in the previous three years against any short-term rental within the entire city of Austin. Not something that was prosecuted, not where there was a conviction, just any complaint that was made. Mm -hmm. And we looked and we crunched that data and we found that for the entire Mm -hmm. city of Austin for a three-year period, there were a total of 31 noise complaints against short-term rental properties. That's it. Yeah. 31 over three years in a city that's rapidly approaching a million people. And so we also looked at it and yeah, there have been a few problem properties. But really what we uncovered in our research was that number one, the existing public disturbance ordinances already address the problems that might arise. You've got noise ordinances, you've got trash ordinances, you've got you know, ordinances that prohibit disturbing the peace and whatnot. But the problem was not that short-term rentals existed. The problem was if there was a property that was causing a disturbance, long-term rental, college house, short-term rental, whatever, problem was if you called 311 or 911, the city of Austin would not respond to those complaints.
0: an mm, like enforcement. Right. Back up, you know, we can back an ordinance, where's the teeth on it, on the existing laws?
1: And and why adopt more regulations punishing the good actors if you're not willing to enforce the existing regulations uh, that are already on the books that that really could address what problems might exist, Mm -hmm. which really have been very much so exaggerated by the city in trying to justify this whole new regulatory scheme uh, that really the data shows isn't necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that touches on, maybe a on a broader theme with technology and government, whether it's local, you know, state or federal. Um, I think we both know, you know, government sometimes can be, can be slow to adapt to just the rapid pace of technology. I think more so in this last, you know, several decades, right? Just way more so just, you know, I guess the sharing economy is an example, but you look at social media, right? And the recent issues with Facebook had. Um, and then do you see as an is some of the overregulation or some of the tension between government and these technologies from a lack of understanding? So again, for the case of Facebook, you know, it's, it was well publicized. Just you know, um, Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, testimony before the Senate committees, or the House, the House and Senate, and just some of the questions that were asked to show, you know, kind of, it seemed like there was a lack of understanding about how Facebook worked. And a lot of it, if you ask a teenager or you know, folks from your millennial age. Facebook's model, it's kind of readily understood. So between, you know, folks in government, you, you, you see there's like a lack of understanding sometimes with government and these new technologies, and that could be itself, you know, they try to apply old laws to new tech. And that kind of may segues us into talking about rideshare, right? When the whole, you know, they were basically trying to apply a taxi model to companies like Uber and Lyft. When they were, what are your thoughts?
1: I don't think it's a lack of understanding. I think it's really this left of center perspective that is driving the mindset that business should not be able to operate unless the government gives it permission to do so. Mm. And, and I find that uh, you know troubling, contrary to you know the American dream and the spirit of hard work in our country and our state that's led to the prosperity that we we have. But it seems like that is driving, we have to regulate for the sake of regulation. And it's led to some really bad results. You mentioned ride sharing, you know, in that, and I think, look, rather than government heavy handed, one size fit all regulation, we have an incredible time right now in terms of the free market where we have the internet, not just to be able to connect us to goods and services, but also to crowdsource, the feedback and the information that's out there that allows consumers to make an informed decision on what they might want to use or might not want to use. I mean, think about a short-term rental, for example, or think about ride sharing. If you went to hail a ride or pick a house and, and the reviews showed that that driver or owner had a one star, you might think twice. Mm -hmm. If it had a five star, you'd probably feel a whole lot better to getting in that car or renting that house because of the number of people before you that have tried out that product and been able to register their opinion. You don't need to have government to be able for people to give feedback on that type and it's much more dynamic, specific, particularized type uh, evaluation, so to speak, of that product than a government regulation or ordinance could ever be so. You know, you mentioned the ride sharing real quick. There wasn't a problem beforehand What the problem was is that when the city of Austin came in with this ordinance that drove out the industry standards of Uber and Lyft for that year after that period of time until the Texas legislature could come in and overturn the city ordinance, you had a 17% increase in drunk driving arrest in Austin Mm -hmm. because there wasn't access to to ride sharing. And you think about recently uh, the really absurd scenario where these new companies have come in and brought uh, scooters uh yeah it's so like bird
0: i think bird and lime lime bikes scooters are on the ones currently on the road on the out there right now
1: yeah the the, the city lost its mind because they did not have a regulation in place giving permission to these companies to be able to loan out scooters mm-hmm. why does there need to be a regulation? I mean,
0: well, I guess there will be, be one Thursday apparently. Well, so right, coming. they've rushed one yeah. through,
1: you know, to fix this void, yeah, uh, in the universe that heaven forbid this company exists and doing business in a new, you know, innovative, dynamic way without the government giving it its blessing. Mm-hmm. So there will be a regulation in place. It's probably going to be pretty silly, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, really, you know. But still comes back to the very question and a lot of what our foundation looks at is let's question the role of government and thinking that you know the power is derived from the people and we should have as default liberty and freedom that uh, before just agreeing to government involvement, let's think about whether that's an appropriate role and what the purpose is otherwise. Uh, leave business and individuals alone to be able to order themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm gonna challenge you on that. I just wanna pick your brain on that. So in Dallas, as you probably know, you know the city of Dallas last summer opened up. I think you know they opened up a free market model for dockless bike share, right? I was up there um, probably in in August, and there were just bikes all over the place. And this came to a head for the, the city. I think closer into this year of last year rather. Um, you know there it was a public backlash, right? Because there's bikes, bike blocking public right away. There are bikes in the, street, you know, just in the, I guess in the, in the rivers before thrown away and everything else. I mean, but the city did open it up. You know, to they they really wanted us to test all these different companies, and they had minimal regulations on it. I don't think I don't think they had any regulations honestly on it, and it didn't you know, they end up coming back on, on the, on the, on the companies that they opened up to pretty hard, hard. I remember some of the rhetoric in the paper about it, in the, in the uh, Dallas Morning News about it, is there, I mean, what layer, do you think there's any layer, you know, government responsibility on this, and as much as these companies, you know, they're using public right-of-way, right, I think that's, the, they're taught, you know, government's role is, you know, it's public safety, but what, what do you, what are your views on that, be? because Dallas did open up their city to all of these companies, and, and then ended up, you know, at least from the when I read the news, regretting it.
1: Well, I mean, let me let me ask just you know, real quick. I mean, do you do you bike in Zilker Park here in Austin? Do you have a bike?
0: I didn't have a bike.
1: Okay, a lot of people do. Yeah. Average citizen myself, you know, riding down to Zilker. Um, should I have a license from the city to give me permission to ride my bicycle in the park? I don't think so. What makes that different between me having a bike in my garage and me going and using my app on my phone to, you know, to borrow one of these, uh, you know, sharing bikes? Nothing. I'm still using a bicycle. You know, there are existing ordinances in Dallas that should have been enforced under this situation that you describe. You know, if there's a, a bike that's blocking a, you know, public right away, um, if it's my bike. Or if it's a company sharing bike, that's already breaking the rules. You know, somebody needs to pick it up uh, and, uh, you know, impound it. And if this this company has a model that uh, allows people to, you know, leave bikes in public ways and, and you know, not properly care that property, I would imagine that would get pretty, su- pretty expensive for the company to either have to adapt to adopt itself better policies to avoid having to have its bikes impounded Mm. or to have his bikes, you know, destroyed, uh, and that it would innovate and work faster to do that than needing to add more layers of government on it. So, you know, in that situation, again, I, I, think that there are existing rules that existed without a regulation. And if this proliferation of shared bikes were getting in the way of things, then uh, the city should respond to where those are problems. And I, I think it would balance itself out.
0: Yeah, gotcha. I think in that case, it was just the uh, the way, you know, the extremes, right? I was opening it up and the city came back hard, you know, kind of on the flip side, hard, harder on it than finding the, maybe the middle, middle ground. But, um, you know, it's right.
1: interesting, just throwing a, a tidbit out there, but in the United States, you know, between one and four, one and five, occupations require a government license. Mm -hmm. And it's really providing a limitation on economic freedom, on ways that people can innovate, have their own business, have their own way of providing for themselves and their family if you have to go to the government for permission, if you have to get a bunch of red tape and and go through a bunch of hoops and meet a lot of requirements. You know, I I think here in Austin uh, you see – driving around downtown the Segway tours and uh, 5, 6, whatever, 10 people on Segways getting a tour of downtown. I don't have any idea if they're licensed by the city of Austin. I don't think they need to be. I mean, I could come up with probably some hypothetical horror stories uh, that probably won't really ever happen. But, uh, you know, in that situation, somebody had an idea for the business. They put together some capital, bought some Segways, and they make some money by driving people around seeing our town. I think it's great. I think they should be able to do that without the government giving them permission because at the end of the day, that really doesn't provide a public health or safety problem. And that really should be where we look at the appropriate role of government involvement. Maybe Dallas got out of hand. I mean, I don't know that much about it, but I think that that should be the lens of government regulatory power. Is there really a problem and do we not currently have the tools to be able to fix this problem? Okay, then maybe let's talk about what could be done next.
0: Okay, and then turning briefly to the state, you know, we're probably what six months or so out from the next legislative session in January, and just from what you're seeing with STRs and you know, limited, but what you're seeing with the scooters and the bikes, do you foresee? Or could you foresee any potential re- re- legislation similar to what we had with um, rideshares in the last, last cycle?
1: I do, and I think it should be broader. I think it's time to really rethink the whole concept of home rule municipalities. I mean, originally when Texas was set up as a state and cities were created as political subdivisions of the state, they were given basically the broad powers to adopt ordinances or regulations in any kind of way that the state of Texas could pass a law. And I think that that was done because it was just taken for granted that the cities would focus on really their core mission of zoning, fixing potholes, providing law enforcement, basic infrastructure type services. But you now have cities that have grown to be so large and so powerful, and you have city governments that seem to be so intent on uh, getting involved in the ordinary day-to-day activities of, of average Texans, that I think it's the right time to not just address city overreach on a piecemeal basis, but to come back and maybe redefine where the role of cities should be. And maybe have some broad preemption statutes that would just carve out certain areas that cities should just not be able to regulate. Mm -hmm. I think business and economics is one of those areas. You know, look, unless there is a specific health or safety problem, maybe cities shouldn't have the power to regulate business. And I think if there's a need, the Texas legislature can step in that will guarantee that we don't have a patchwork quilt of regulations that vary from city to city, uh, but uh, it would largely stop this constant battle with the cities that seem to be just intent on grabbing more power for the sake of power.
0: Mm-hmm. And we'll leave it there. But Rob, thank you for your time. It's been great. And uh, as great always, you know, you know, look free in the paper. Yeah, <laughs> you <laughs> bet. All right.